is the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. Our mission is to train those who give spiritual counsel to others. Whatever your skill level, we offer accessible and practical advice to those whose life or work frequently leads them to spiritual conversations. Our goal is to foster a growing relational connection with and loyalty to the God of the Bible. We help people choose life-giving reactions to the warning lights on the dashboard of their lives. Our passion comes from the belief that only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Welcome, everyone, to the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. This podcast, first launched a year ago, is a tool for training my expanding team of spiritual coaches at our growing multi-site church. I can't tell you how surprised I was that now hundreds of people are listening around the world. Wherever you are on the globe, Nancy and I are honored to have you aboard. Speaking of Nancy, my beautiful bride is in the studio with me today. (laughs) Well, thank you, honey. And hello, everyone. If you're interested in going back and listening to any of the three previous seasons, it would be helpful to begin with the first episode of season one. Each podcast is a standalone topical treatment, but they are episodic, so listening out of order will leave you without some necessary foundational content. Our intention with this podcast is to keep the explanation simple and relatable, and for the most part, avoid the clinical and theological terminology. So what I did is I swapped that out for modern and easily recognizable metaphors to explain spiritual and biblical ideas, as well as coaching techniques and, and approaches. Now, that doesn't mean that our content is overly simplistic or, or dumbed down or, or, or unhelpful to those who are further down the road, just that it's accessible and immensely usable. No matter your familiarity with the subject, you will be able to follow along at whatever level of experience and discover new ways to talk to others about spiritual subjects. Yes, and as we enter this fourth season, we will begin to offer true standalone episodes, tackling both new content as well as returning to subjects we already addressed but feel deserve greater attention. A new feature going forward will be answering specific questions that our listeners have submitted. Questions about specific spiritual coaching subjects or establishing and maintaining a spiritual coaching practice in your context. Listen to the end of the podcast and I will tell you how to submit questions and ideas for future episodes. Yes, and, and it's important that uh, I make a clarification. You understand my use of some terminology. Uh, in all of these podcasts, you, you know, I mentioned spiritual maturity and spiritual growth and those things consistently. Some people, when they hear those terms, especially if they've gone to church all their lives, might be tempted to think about attending classes or amassing uh, intellectual understanding. And, and that's not what I mean when I talk about spiritual maturity or spiritual growth. I'm talking about first-person, hands-on, experiential knowledge of God. Spiritual maturity is knowing Him. It's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And that's what I mean when I talk about spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. If the relationship is strong and growing, everything else that's necessary to life as a follower of Jesus Christ will flow from that. In fact, we want you to know that we named the podcast The Spiritual Coaching Dashboard because just like the dashboard in your car, there are warning lights in our lives. They indicate to us that we need to do some heart work with God in order to step into our full potential. We need someone more qualified and experienced to do spiritual wrenching on our souls in order to improve our performance. Our dream for you is that you would unlock your potential through a heart healthy enough to know God deeply and follow Him fully, and then to pass your experience on to others. Now, without further delay, here is today's content. 
So in this episode, I'm going to save you from the dilemma over whether or not to make a resolution this new year. Now, you may not be thinking about that just yet, so speaking up now, it may just save you some time and disappointment. I'm going to save you from that by explaining why you will fail to keep it again and how to change your terrible track record and get the life you have always wanted without a January vow and a February disavow. So let's cut right to the chase and try some brutal honesty. Research shows that 88% of those that make New Year's resolutions will not keep them. Only about 8% are still going by December. This means that for most, this year will not be different. The probability is that you will not be one of the 8%ers. I know that's a huge dose of unwanted negative reality, but it is the cold hard facts. It is the elephant in the room. If you love failure, go ahead and ignore the statistical reality. Here it is. Most New Year resolutions should not need to be made. There's no good reason why they need to be made. The whole idea of these resolutions is flawed. Why? Well, because most New Year's resolutions are a result of procrastination. Most New Year's resolutions are about things we really should have already taken care of during the past year. Want proof? Many of them are the same resolutions you made last year or a decade ago. Like determining to lose weight, we may have succeeded initially, but as soon as our goal was reached, we are eating again and putting the weight back on. The truth is, if we are making a resolution, we've known about our need to make this change for some time and have been putting it off for one reason or another. Truth is, our New Year's resolution has plagued our lives for some time and should never have been allowed to make it to another New Year. The problem with New Year's resolutions is that there is nothing new about them. Now, now don't get me wrong. I, I get the lure of making resolutions. We, we are wired to want to progress, to grow, to change, to live better lives in the future than we have in the past. It's, it's in our DNA to feel the need to improve ourselves. The drive is understandable, but in itself it is not enough to help us resolve all the way through to victory. However, it may be enough to help you not need them. So, so, so what is motivation? Motivation is simply the fuel behind our behavior. It is the force or a set of forces that drives us to repeat an action and make it a habit. Intrinsic motivation comes from um, psychological forces that compel us to take an action. When it's a difficult behavior, you know, something we put off, something that will cause discomfort, pain, awkwardness, stress, something our flesh does not really want to do, you know, more fuel in constant supply is next is necessary. Actually, um, everyone has ample fuel uh, in perpetual supply. It's finding what taps into it that's the trick. We are uh, are not compelled to lose weight, at least not enough to sustain the choice, till it becomes a habit. Um, We have to find, if that's true, we have to find an alternate pathway to the necessary fuel. Just, well, I should use weight. Well, that that hasn't worked, has it? Your spouse or significant other um, whom you love and would do just about anything for asks you to take better care of yourself so um, you can live a good long life with them. That is possibly a better pathway to the fuel, the motivation you need. You experience a health scare that moves you to make a change. Heck, even vanity over your expanding circumference may um, plug into the motivation needed to eat differently and take exercise seriously. When the pain of not changing becomes greater than the pain of staying the same, you have motivation. It's suddenly easier to change than not. There is still challenge, but less so than the difficulty of the status quo or where that will lead. 
Now, let's push aside for the time being those resolutions that someone else has been nagging you to make. That is another discussion entirely. That's a whole other podcast. In those cases, a lack of motivation is understandable and probably unavoidable, even if the nagger is right. For most people, if the only reason they, they want to lose weight is because the doctor said they should, it will not have a very good chance of happening. Until it becomes something you believe you need to change, motivation will be in short supply. Motivation does not come from outside of us, but from inside. True motivation. If it comes from outside, it may be many things, but it is not motivation in the truest sense. Sense. Pressure is not motivation or motivating. True inspiration that brings sustainable motivation comes from our own heart. Let's focus on something you really believe needs to change. Any other type of resolution will most assuredly fail regardless of the time of the year or anything else um, that we're going to say here about it. If, if external fears and manipulation and reasoning and facts coming at you from others is all you have, um, quit while you're ahead. But a good reason that we feel deeply about, now that motivates, motivation comes from within. So we have to find what is in our heart and connect resolutions to that. Motivation will then be more readily available. External or extrinsic, motiv- extrinsic motivation, it's not useless, all right? Seeing someone else achieve a, a higher level of competence or accomplishment can inspire us to strive for more. But my experience is that it's seldom enough to support sustainable effort. Often, external inspiration from someone else or some other event, it gets us going, and that produces greater or deeper motivation after the fact, after we get started. But then, it's the intrinsic motivation we needed, grounded in our own inner inner person. Maybe it would be best to say that there are levels or two different kinds of motivation, the extrinsic and intrinsic. Either way, I want to address that second intrinsic motivation. All right, so we're talking about sustainable change, deep motivation, the inner heart fuel that energizes actions that leads to habit. So let's talk about your own heartfelt need to change. You, you know you need to stop smoking, begin to exercise, stop lo- uh, lose weight, stop spending money you don't have, look for a new job, repair that relationship, figure out the God question, break the addiction, forgive the offender, clean out the garage, basement, attic, backyard shed, car, whatever else. Often these types of resolutions are ones we want to make, but only from a certain perspective. If we do not stop drinking, okay, we're going to end up jobless and spouseless. We, we know that and probably do not want either of those things to happen. But looking at it from another angle, there are reasons why we have not cleaned the garage and drink too much. Making the time to organize or, or changing a destructive habit will mean we need to do something with whatever it is that the lack of doing it or the drinking is drowning out. With whatever we are trying to escape, numb or or ignore. That underlying driver is why we regain the weight we just worked so hard to lose. It's why the garage is still a mess or worse, cluttered again only months after cleaning it out. The bad habit or failure to change, it serves a purpose. It's there for a reason. The thing we need to stop or change or transform exists the way it does negatively, destructively, because of some real or perceived advantage that it provides. Let's take a short break so you can rest your brain. 
you've been used to a new episode each week as we work through our first three seasons. As we move into season four, the episodes will drop less frequently, but at least once a month. Whatever the reason and from wherever you are listening, we are so glad you have come along for the ride. That is why we are excited to invite you to help us determine some of our future content. At the close of this episode, we will tell you how you can send your questions, ideas for topics, and suggested book reviews. If this podcast is helpful, we ask that you take a moment to rate, follow, and share it on whatever platform you use to stream content, so that others can find us too. All right, let's finish today's episode of this podcast. So I was saying that there is a reason for the old or bad habit. It exists. It didn't just all of a sudden just pop up and there it was with no motivation, no nothing to instigate it, nothing to start it, nothing to make it be there. It has a purpose. We must figure out what the pain behind the habit or behind our, our fearful procrastination that keeps us, you know, uh, locked where we are. Um, we... we we must figure out the pain behind that habit that we both hate and love. And sure, read that again, okay? The habit we we hate but cannot leave behind is also a habit we love. The habit we hate but can't leave behind is also a habit we love. We cling to it for a reason. Deep down somewhere we believe we need it and the purpose it serves. If we love it, we protect it. We show it leniency. Consciously or unconsciously, we may have even made a deal with it. We show it sympathy. The coddled and excused and defended habit is a frenemy. Somewhere along the way, that nasty little practice or characteristic was chosen in response to something we were trying to escape. Now we believe that without it, that evil resurface, reopen or rewound. The garage is messy because we fear that if we throw out things, um, uh, we may throw out something we need in the future. Or if we do not employ the time and energy... It will take to to clean it out on something else, something more important. We will screw that other thing up or or disappoint someone or, or have to face difficult memories that hide behind much of the mess that's in the garage. So we don't go there. While we may no longer even know what the original reason was, we have made that thing that it is um, now a destructive reality a friend. It's pretty hard to kick a habit we secretly want to keep. If we succeed to break the bad practice without diffusing the energy behind it, it will just give rise to a new but equally destructive lifestyle to take its place. It may be more socially acceptable, more grown up, but it springs from the same place of that old bad habit did. Taking this New Year's resolution thing to a whole new deep level level of depth is the key. Think about the difference between the symptom and the actual physical problem. A fever, a headache, an upset stomach, a dizziness, you know, they're all symptoms. We can treat them with medications, stop the medication and they return until the real problem is gone, right? Because we haven't gotten to the deeper issue. But treat the sickness or disease behind the symptom and the symptoms go away. Continually treating only symptoms will mask the true problem that will then never be uncovered and therefore allowed to stay and grow and expand. That headache is a symptom. Your headache is a habit. Think of it that way. Treating the pain is not treating the problem. Treating the pain is not treating the problem. In fact, most illnesses give rise to multiple symptoms. And if we apply that to life change, there's a a wonderful little truth there. It suggests that getting to the source, getting to the disease, 
but it's under the surface, and taking care of it may actually bring an end to more than one bad habit that we need to break. What am I saying? I'm suggesting that our resolutions are usually aimed at a symptom, not the real problem. Resolutions often target something our subconscious does not really want to remove, something that it feels it needs, a symptom that is medicating a known or unknown wound. So no wonder we, don't, we do not keep those well-meaning resolutions. We don't want to. There's some fear connected to, to losing whatever that seemingly bad thing is. Now, um, I'll tell you why many of you are going to ignore these observations um, and what we're learning from them. Making resolutions, even if you know that little real and lasting change will occur, is easier. It allows you to tell yourself that you're working on it and therefore feel better about yourself. The reality is that either you do not want to change deep down and lack the necessary motivation, or you failed so many times that you've given up. Maybe you, you never realized that your resolutions were little more than aspirin for your hurting heart. Still, the New Year's resolution makes you feel like you are progressing, even though the truth, if you stop to process it, is that you're not. Even if this new information seems helpful, what we're saying today, unless you identify and choose wellness, you are sticking with a, a, a symptom directed resolution that even if kept, it will never fix the real problem. So, let's talk about alternative. Rather than resolutions, try making a real and costly decision. Decision is different than a resolution. Have the courage to do the harder thing and pursue some self-discovery. Decide to pop the hood and find the real reason why that pesky daylight keeps nagging you. What is behind your bad habit, your lack of ability to change, or a fear that keeps you trapped where you are? Determine to get to the bottom of the impulsivity or stifling and stagnating fear. Transform your life by honestly dealing with the real issue, and the annoying and destructing, destructive symptom will take care of themselves. Get some help. Killing the beast, and you will not need to patch things up after it blows through your life again, leaving a mess in its wake like a tropical storm. Treat the root problem and you will rely on a powerless resolution anymore. You will not need to rely um, on a, pro uh, a powerless resolution anymore. All right. So I want to point you to something Jesus taught about treating the deeper heart issue instead of just cleaning up the outside so it looks like we are well underneath the surface when we are most definitely not. Matthew 23, 25-26 says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Now you probably do not identify yourself as a teacher of religious law, a Pharisee, or a hypocrite for that matter. Greed and self-indulgence may not necessarily describe your struggle, but you do probably identify with the rest. Uh, so, so careful to look good on the outside, while inside there's all manner of mess and filth. You present well, but hide many a defect. You clean up okay, but the only thing that has changed is your exterior presentation. There's lipstick on a pig. 
<laughs> okay, so that was a metaphor that was a little blunt. Yeah, um, you know, I get that. But but I may as well include one more here while I'm on a roll, and that's if the shoe fits. If the lipstick on a pig, if it fits your story, the shoe fits. Uh, our, our sympathy may not uh, may not be toward greed or self-indulgence, but the principle remains true. Clean up the filth in our heart and the outside will become clean. Whatever the more obvious problem is that we cling to, that is not likely the real problem and that is likely why you will not keep your resolution. Okay, Whatever the more obvious problem is that we're clinging to, it's likely not the real problem and that's why you won't keep your resolution. But clean up your interior life and the need for a resolution will begin to disappear faster than your tax return does. Tricks and hacks designed to help you keep your resolutions abound. Forget them all. They're little more than self-deception. This is obviously written for people. What I'm going to say next, these seven steps, they're obviously written for people who call themselves Christians. If you do not, just you know, leave the God part out of it. Put another person or a therapist in that slot. I can't promise the same results, but at least it will be a start. And if leaving God out means you still struggle, try putting him back in. That's for anybody who might be listening to this podcast who um, isn't in ministry, doesn't consider themselves a Christian, isn't a, a spiritual coach. Um, that's so you can continue listening along. Seven steps to keep resolutions. Uh, first of all, so you pick a resolution you've made at least twice before, but not followed through to completion. Uh, something that and something that you feel deeply about. All right. Two is you ask God if He is behind the proposed change, or if it is your own or another idea. So it's something you you want to find something that is His idea, not someone else's idea, not whatever, not a. Not, Okay, so this is something, because if it's God's idea to make this change, He is ready to give you the help you need. So, three, ask yourself and God and a coach, if necessary, when that habit first appeared. Four, you ask yourself, God and a coach, if necessary, what it may be hiding or providing. What is the reason for it being? So you pick something that you struggle with and never been able to defeat before. You ask God if there's really something that needs to be dealt with it, that he's ready, that it's, it's your time, um, that he is, he's saying to you that it's your time to move beyond this. Ask somebody to help you figure out when it appeared and what it's hiding. Why does that um, habit exist? Why is the idiot light on the dashboard of life on? Requires popping a hood and figuring out what's wrong underneath. So get God's help then walking through what you discover behind the bad habit or change that never happens. So you're going to treat the disease no longer and no longer just treat the symptom. And then six, do it as soon as you realize you need to. New Year's or not. And seven, never make a New Year's resolution again and live freer and better than you ever thought possible. There, I solved your dilemma over whether or not to make a resolution this New Year. And early in, um, and when whenever you're listening to this, um, hopefully it's early enough to, hopefully it's not January that you're listening to this, late January, and you've already gotten in there and done that. So uh, next time on the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard, our topic will cover three episodes and we'll address when a demanding season has been a long enough season. And I'll take you through how to handle a season of ministry that is intense and threatens to damage you and your relationships with friends, family, and God. A spiritual coaches, as spiritual coaches, you will face this dilemma yourself and you will undoubtedly have to coach others through it as well. 
listening to this episode. If you heard something that got your attention, whether it be for your own relationship with God or for coaching others, do not waste the divine nudge. Be sure to take the time to think through how God would have you work the new thought into your life and practice. If you do spiritual coaching, either formally or informally, remember that it is hard to lead where you have never been. We firmly believe that God will exchange the wounding of the past for the wellness of the future. A transformation that frees us to be wholeheartedly available to Him and those near us. As we walk into that healing, we gain the humble confidence and godly credibility needed to step unrestricted into the life and impact God has for us. And when we experience that for ourselves, it gives us a compelling story from which to call others to experience the same. We pray that God uses the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard to inform and transform your life before it reaches another. If you would like to submit a question or topic for a future episode of our podcast, here as promised is the contact information. The email address is carrie at tworivers.church or text at SC Dashboard from the social media platform of your choice. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard.